Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your host, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you, and welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Glad you joined me today. Our topic today is how to future-proof your business and your life. And I'm excited to talk to you about this. I recently became a grandfather for the first time. You know, I've been spending some time thinking about the future. And so many people, especially my age, are wringing their hands about the changes they see in the culture and society and all the technological advances, which on one hand are phenomenal, but on the other hand, create a sense of unease. We have how the media works today, how social media works today. And there are some strange times indeed. But I'm going to share with you some insight and some encouragement today because I believe I'm going to share with you some principles that will be true today, tomorrow, for a very long time to come. I believe that principles don't change, tactics do. We need to be aware in business especially, as in life, of what the lay of the land is and how we need to adjust our tactics. But principles don't change. You know, the Ten Commandments are 7,000 years old, and 7,000 years ago it was a bad idea to kill your neighbor. It's still a bad idea today. And so I'm going to share some things that I think will help. In fact, I'm going to reach back to my past in order to talk to you about your future. As a kid, my favorite movie was Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You remember that? The one with Gene Wilder. I never forget the terrifying face of Mr. Slugworth, who approached each of the golden ticket winners with a proposal to buy an everlasting gobstopper from each one. You remember that guy? Now, Slugworth's role was to test the character of each child by using a technique that has gone high-tech in our world today, and that's the power of distraction. He wanted to distract each invitee who was coming to Wonka's factory away from the ultimate prize. Now, what was the ultimate prize? They thought it was a lifetime supply of chocolate, but it was actually, it was a business. That's what the prize was, a business that was best in its class with tremendous systems in place for marketing, production, and delivery. And so today, there are thousands of slugworts, especially dressed in the promise of tech. Disruptors, innovative geniuses, and the ever-so-predictable phrases that decry business as usual. You know, we've launched cars into space. We're talking about artificial intelligence. You name it, it's available. You know, virtual reality. So many things. Driverless cars. The technologies are fantastic. I carry a phone today, and I do 90% of my work on a phone when I used to carry a laptop computer. Now, there's still reasons to have laptops and computers and hard drives and everything else, but I do a lot of my work with my phone. My phone is how I tell time now. My phone is how I drive in my car. It's the GPS of how I get from even places that are familiar. I find myself popping on the Maps app. It's uh, how I listen to music. It's how I watch certain shows. It's how I interact with my family. It's how I keep up with my kids during the day, whether it's Snap or Instagram, and see what they're up to. Remarkable stuff, the technology. But when you are looking at the grand landscape of the world we live in today, Our dependence on tech and the concept of disruptors and the concept of innovation for innovation's sake can often get you away from the big prize. What won Charlie the factory was some old school principle. Trust, honesty, 
and the creativity of a child. I believe that these tactics that need to change over time will be trends, trends that we need to observe and adhere to. But ultimately, the principles are what we need to stick to. So, I can tell you from a standpoint of experience, and I always like to speak from experience, interview people from experience. I've spent the last 22 years presenting strategies to over 3 million people at seminars in over 37 countries. And one question I'm always asked over and over again is how can I build a business that lasts? You know, people are afraid that if they put all this work in, they put all this effort in, they go build something. You know, what if an innovation comes along tomorrow and puts them out of business the next day? And in this fast-paced world we live in, it can feel like nothing lasts very long. Everything changes so often at such speeds that it all feels like a temporary state of flux, never a permanent situation. And as a business owner, that's a very frustrating place to be. No one wants to be a flash in the pan or a one-hit wonder. We all want to build a business that lasts. But we're bombarded with so much conflicting advice from so many different sources that it's impossible to know what move to make or which way to turn to achieve this. The challenges are complicated. There are many, many disruptors in the marketplace today, from technological advances to marketing, innovations to government finance, best practices. The business landscape is in a state of perpetual motion. Sometimes you can just feel like you've got a handle on what you're doing and what you're supposed to be doing, when suddenly the sands shift beneath your feet and you're lost in a foreign land with no roadmap to guide you. And as an immigrant, I know a little bit about that. So, the rules of the game keep changing. And how do we keep up with the rules of the game? Today, it seems like a business can spring up overnight, attain seemingly phenomenal success, and then disappear in a puff of smoke the next day. Gone seem to be the days of starting off slowly and building up success brick by brick. Instead, the world is full of kids creating apps in their bedrooms and becoming dot-com billionaires before breakfast. So are the days of a business being passed on from one generation to the next really gone? Is it true that the best we can hope for is to trade successfully for a few years before ultimately folding in on failure? Or is it possible to build a business that will last, not just for our lifetime, but for our children and their children too? Again, you can tell I just became a grandpa because these are the thoughts that are on my mind. Now, none of us knows what's around the corner. The future's unknown. When I was a boy, for example, I believed we'd all have flying cars and be vacationing on Mars by now. I watched the Jetsons. I saw Star Wars. I thought that's how it would be. But I never could have imagined that we would have mobile devices in our pockets that would hold the whole world at our fingertips. So none of us has a crystal ball. But the fact of the matter is, if you want to build a business that lasts, you have to somehow legislate for the future. How can you do this? Well, many believe that a focus on technology is the key to success. Now... I do think that if used correctly, technology can be a huge asset to any business. And at Buffini Company, we use the most cutting-edge technologies to deliver the finest resources to our clients. So there's no question you have to keep abreast of technological advances to deliver your products and services. For example, two years ago, I had never done a podcast, let alone had millions of people download it all over the world. And today I'm here in a studio that's as cutting-edge a podcast studio exists in the world. So I'm using technology to advance our messaging. However, the messages I'm delivering to you are messages and principles that I've been sharing for a long, long time. So lean into the technology, lean into the trends, 
but keep being consistent to who you are. With all this being said, I want to get to the solution here, the fundamentals. The fundamentals that if I have a chance to have a conversation with my grandson one day and talk to him about business, that the principles I'm about to share with you would hold not only for his future, but his children's future. And that is, I'm going to talk about the three elements that will not change in the years to come. And that is about relationships, service, and skills. Relationships, service, and skills. There's no use having the most advanced technology on the planet if your customer is dissatisfied with any of these basics. The real purpose of the technology is to support these fundamentals. This is the key, not replace them. So if technology is not the be-all and end-all, then how do you go about building a business that will stand the test of time? How can you guarantee longevity and the creation of a true, lasting legacy, all while holding strong bonds with your customers and delivering the best service? And that is future-proof your business. To future-proof your business, you've got to forget about what the marketers call optics. You've got to get focused on the fundamentals. Here it is. Invest in relationships. Stand out with service and master your skills. I'm going to say it again. Invest in relationships. Stand out with service and develop masterful skills. Become a master of your skills. I promise you that in years to come, human beings are still going to want to trust another human being. In fact, many of the technological advances that we have today are actually a way to support human beings supporting human beings. That's why ride-sharing becomes popular. That's why reviews of restaurants and services become popular. Now, what happens? Corporate America wants to come in and control those things. And again, there'll be some unpopularity to what I'm about to say. Even my uh, attorney's toes are about to curl. But you take a service like Yelp, and Yelp is there, and people go, oh, I want to find out about that restaurant, and so on and so forth. So it starts out as this program where people who've had a good experience or a not-so-good experience at a restaurant get to write a review. Well, corporate America gets involved, and what happens? Well, Yelp puts you on their list, and guess what? If you pay to their services, all the top reviews come up. If you don't pay to their services, miraculously, all the negative reviews come to the top. Now, the mafia used to do stuff like this. The fact of the matter is, that's the dynamic of how we deal with the freedom of the market, the dynamic of technology, the desire for trust, and then the need for profits. You put all those things together and they don't always gel. That's because that business model isn't built on foundational principles. When you invest in relationships, that's the investment that pays the greatest dividend. When you're exceptional with your service, here's the thing, I, and I've shared this story on a recent podcast about buying a bunch of stuff at Apple over the Christmas holidays, and I had a bunch of salespeople standing around who weren't taking care of us, kept asking, asked 25 minutes in the store. So I finally said to the person I was talking to, I'm going to go home and buy this stuff online. He nodded, okay. And I just let him know, hey, Apple's going to have a good day. I'm going to spend 20 plus grand on Apple products today. But you're not going to have a good day because the dynamic of you being in retail just got weaker. And that's what I say, is if, if it's cheaper online and the service in person is not better than that online, then why wouldn't you do it online? The fact of the matter is, there is a number of businesses in this world where you're looking for someone to trust, to take care of you, to go the extra mile. Where you want someone who takes a vested interest in what you're doing. 
And it means something. It means something. And when it means something, that's where the opportunity for relationships, skills, and service come in. And with the time I have on today's podcast, I'm really going to focus mostly on relationship. I've done other podcasts on service, and I'm going to do a little bank shot on skills today, and I'm going to address how to master your skills in future podcasts. But I really want to focus on your relationships and the dynamic of investing in your relationships. First of all, what's the definition of a relationship? It's the way in which two or more people are connected. That's a powerful word. So that's a person who does the connecting, a person who keeps the connection, a person who strengthens the connection is someone ultimately investing in relationships. Now, in our world today, with the speed of communication and the innovation of technology, there's a myriad of flash-in-the-pan solutions on how to be successful in business. Many of these solutions have been produced by people who've never run a business. I always say you're not really an entrepreneur until you've had to write a personal check to make payroll. I've owned dozens of businesses. Most of them were winners. And there was an occasional loss along the way. Those proved to be the greatest lessons learned. The fact of the matter is, we have to invest in relationships. Now, investment by definition is to give time, effort, energy, or money to do something or make something better. So you give your time, your effort, your energy, or your money to do something or make something better. That's one investment. And we want to invest in relationships. Oprah Winfrey, who's often revered as this icon of American society, she's also a brilliant businesswoman. Brilliant. One of the most successful and enduring entrepreneurs in the world has a saying that's always resonated with me. And she'll begin by saying, what I know for sure. And she says, what I know for sure is that in life and in business, relationships matter. Relationships matter. Scott Stratton, who's a brilliant guy, wrote the book Unmarketing. He's spoken at many of our events, has a fantastic uh, unpodcast is his podcast. And he says, if you believe business is built on relationships, then make building them your business. Very, very powerful. So let me get a little more specific with you, a little more on the how-to side of this. My wife and I have a phrase in our home, and it's how we spell love. And we spell the word love with the following letters, T-I-M-E. That's how we spell love. That's how we spell love for each other. That's how we spell love with our kids. When we have challenges going on with the kids, or we have difficulties even going on with each other, rather than recoil, make lists, get angry, here's what you did, here's what I did, here's what we do, T. I-M-E. It's the greatest asset you possess, and when you invest it into your relationships, everybody understands that you have just given them the greatest gift. Even if they don't consciously accept that, they ultimately know, I've just been given something special. Time is the most valuable resource we have. And today's fast-paced world, it can feel like there's never enough of it. We're constantly racing against the clock, looking over our shoulder to see if we're winning. Time is money, but so much more than that. It's the greatest gift we can give. One of my kids once joked to me when I complained that there weren't enough hours in the day. They said, uh, we all have the same 24 hours as Beyonce, Dad. (laughs) So, Achieving incredible success means using your time wisely, not watching it pass you by. If you want to create relationships that endure with your customers, investing time is the key. So what would I do? I would sort and qualify my client base into categories, A pluses, A's, B's, C's, and D's. A pluses were my very best customers, my greatest advocates. 
These were people that no matter what, I was going to go talk to, have a coffee with, a lunch or a sit down, or just pop by and see them, make the effort to go see them on a regular basis. These were my best clients. And I would go to them not to ask, I would go to them to give. I would invest my time. And when you invest your time in the right opportunities, you get the greatest return. So that's the key. What do many of us do in business? It's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. It's the high maintenance complainer that gets our attention. We're sometimes afraid of letting that person down or we want to stop the complaints. We had an event here recently and we had thousands of people attend and we're going through an upgrade of our internal systems. So we actually, for the first time in 20 years, had no real clear picture of how many people were coming. And so more people came than we actually were bargaining for. And my staff did an amazing job and just set up additional rooms and all this kind of stuff. And so we're doing a bit of a download about the event. And one of our staff brought up this one client who was sideways over the fact that she wanted a front row seat and didn't get a front row seat and this and that and the other. And the staff went to every accommodation they could to help the lady. But she was just bent and she was uptight with them. And... The whole conversation started to revolve around what to do about this one unhappy client, which on one hand, I loved the heart and the spirit of the staff. But as the leader of the company, I turned to them and said, can someone else tell me how the other 2,000 people enjoyed the event? Because that's what often happens, is that we spend all our time and attention on the one bent person instead of the majority that really appreciate the value of the service. And so that's what happens in our business. And because some of us have a a tendency to be people pleasers, because if you're in the service industry and you're good at service, you have a desire to please and serve, that's easy to do. And you can learn. You always learn. You always want to listen to your customers, no matter what the feedback is, to get better, to try to make it better, and to make things right. But at the end of the day, you need to focus on your very best customers. And one thing to do there is spend time with them. Don't be focused on the negative. Spend time. Invest time. Do the nice extras, the unexpected extras we talked about in a previous podcast. Those are the things you want to do for your best clients. So the first thing you want to do is invest your time. The second thing you want to do is invest something very rare today, and that's your attention. You've often heard the refrain, you know, in the grocery store or restaurant, you hear, mommy, 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 daddy, 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 and it's wah, 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 wah. And uh, that was not really uh, how we raised our kids. We let them know from a very early age, you know, that's not how we're going to communicate. And if mom or I were engaged in a conversation with another adult or anyone else, and one of our kids had a need, we would tell them, come up beside us, put your hand on our hand and our hand on our leg, and when it's appropriate, we'll break away from the current conversation and give you our full attention. And we would give them our full attention. But it also meant that they weren't the center of the universe. So when it was respectful and appropriate to break away from the conversation, we would lock eyes with our child. And one of the things we used to do, especially when they're very small, was we'd hold their cheeks. We'd hold their cheeks. And sometimes when they really needed to talk to us, they would hold our cheeks. But what happened was our kids knew they had our full attention. Daniel Goleman, who wrote the book Emotional Intelligence, says the greatest gift you can give another human being is the gift of your attention. I've been asked for years, well, your kids have such high self-esteem and all this kind of stuff. I believe it started with us giving them our full attention. Not our full attention at all times. Not our full attention to the point that the whole world revolved around them. But when you have something important to say, you need to know you're important to me and what you have to say is important to me. 
And so we locked eyes and gave them our full attention. Let me ask you, when was the last time you metaphorically held the face of a client? A client going through a difficult time. A client who just needed to talk. A client who was anxious and nervous and scared. You know, I was in the real estate business for many, many years. And I helped people move from one house to the other. That was the transactional need. But what I was looking for and what I was listening for was the emotional needs of my customers. Where were they anxious? Where were they fearful? Where were they scared? Where were they apprehensive? Where would they get triggered emotionally? And I would be there to help them. I would ask them lots of questions. I let them know they were important to me. Their well-being was important to me. I want them to enjoy the transaction, even if it was a difficult transaction. And I took the time to pay attention. By the way, when you pay attention, you'll be paid a lot more. You'll be paid with referrals. You'll be paid with endorsement. And you'll be paid with the satisfaction of a job well done. So invest your time and then invest your attention. We live in an ADD world. We live in a world, I don't even know what they're going to call ADD in the future. Our attention spans are dropping. A recent study said the average person under 20 years of age has an attention span of less than seven seconds, which is startling when you see that a goldfish has nine seconds of attention. And one of the reasons for it is, you know it, if you have younger people in the house, yourself, scroll, 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 all the time, all the time. And it's very, 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 very addictive. And so people of all ages right now, are getting hooked on that stuff. And what happens is it creates a devoid of a person's ability to give their attention to anything because they're instantly looking for the quick hit. And the quick hit is that drug of constant little spark in our minds of something new, something new, something new, something new, something funny, something interesting, something new, something new. Taking the time to give somebody your attention. It can be done in a matter of two or three sentences when you meet a customer for the first time. You shake their hand, you look them in the eye, how are you doing? And then you ask the first question, and when you give someone's attention, you ask the next question. An example of that would be, I took one of my best clients to lunch one time. And how are you doing? How's life? Oh, great. Yeah, our son's getting ready to go off to college. Now, I could have easily just made conversation and got around to the other things I wanted to talk about as in my business and how this guy could help me. But I asked the next question because I gave him the gift of my attention. Oh, really? So your son's going off to college. How do you feel about that? Well, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. Now, this is a man who's a president of a bank. Very, very successful individual. But all of a sudden, he shared what his concerns were. He's like, you know, he's a young guy. I'm not sure how prepared he is to go off to the wolves in college, you know? And then my wife and I, you know, he's our only child. We're going to be having the empty nest. And I'm not sure how to go about that. And so... That was me paying attention. That was me understanding. And it leads me to, I gave him my time, I gave him my attention, and it led to, which is advice number three, which is invest in resources in relationships. So now I had spent the time with this client. Now I knew what their need was. Now what I did was invest in some resources. So I bought him a couple of books. One was how to fill the empty nest, and another one was how to prepare your child for the first year of college. Wrote a nice personal note after the lunch, had him delivered by courier to his office. Now, this is the president of a bank. He was one of my best clients. He gets on the phone. He starts to thank me. And while he's thanking me, his voice starts to crack. And the reason being is that someone had heard him. He had made a connection with him, paid attention to him. And yes, he's this super successful guy that to all of his employees and all these operations he runs, butter doesn't melt in his mouth. They think he's 10 feet tall and bulletproof. 
But everybody's a human being with needs. So you invest the time, you invest the attention, then you invest your resources. Matthew 6 says, for wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where are you spending your time? Where are you spending your attention? Where are you spending your money? For me, I always found it a joy to give back to my customers. I always found it to be a cool thing. You know, I, I get thousands of personal notes and emails and now messages and reviews on the podcast. And so when I get letters all the time, on occasion, somebody's note or somebody's letter provokes a response for me, you know? And it's like, okay, you know, this person might need some help. And I'll often recommend a resource for somebody. My assistant, uh, Jeanette, who's in the office here, in her office is a whole series of bookshelves where all we do is have multiple copies of books that I've referred to people. And sometimes I'll write a note and kind of prescribe a book for a person. Other resources, or you might check this out or might check that out. And so it's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. Uh, when I get a chance to do uh, the book signings at our events, I get a chance to meet people face-to-face by the hundreds, and they'll come up and tell me their story. And it's just a cool thing. Give a little time, a little bit of attention, just a little bit. I only have a few moments with somebody, but I ask them a couple of pertinent questions. I find out, and oftentimes, I'll find myself following up with that person to send them a resource or a person or a referral or a connection to help. Here's the bottom line. My father used to say, Brian, there's a shortage of love and appreciation in the world. And if you give it out in slices, it comes back in loaves. And that's been my experience. That's been my experience. I sit here today and I certainly don't want for anything. And I've spent my life giving time, energy and attention, and then resources in the service of other people. So as I talk about service, I'm just going to touch on this for a moment, which is the second major principle to future-proof your business, is to stand out with service. Now, I've covered this far more in depth in a previous episode uh, 87 called The Unexpected Extras. And if you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend it to you. But what I want to focus on right now is once you're investing in relationships, now you need to stand out with service. You know, if I put 10 people in the room that are self-employed and I say, why should somebody do business with you? They'll all say, I provide good service. I provide good service. Yeah, good service, good service, good service. And after a while, it all sounds like, you know, chicken. You know, you ask somebody, what does that taste like? Well, it's chicken. Uh, What does the snake taste like? Oh, it's chicken. You know, what's that taste like? It's like chicken. So there's no difference. The key is you have to stand out. It has to be separated. It has to be discernibly different so that someone can describe it to somebody else. I learned this as a boy when my grandfather would have us change the light bulbs and and wash the windows when we finished the paint job so that someone could see the paint job. People would say that. They change all the light bulbs and wash the windows at the end of the paint job. It kind of described the rest of what we did. So stand out, great word. It's in Webster's Dictionary. As a person or thing of exceptional ability or conspicuous excellence. I think I love every word in that definition. Let me just go through it again. A standout is a person or thing of exceptional ability or conspicuous excellence. I believe people are attracted to excellence. I think people want excellence. You know, people will tune into the Olympics and they'll watch sports they've never watched in their life before because they'll find it interesting because something is excellent. I walked in the other day to the golf club and here was 40 guys in the golf club on a sunny day in February in San Diego. It was 80 degrees outside, and they are all hushed watching curling in the Olympics. 
Not one of them knew the rules. Not one of them had ever lived in a cold climate, as it turned out. But they were watching the finals, and they were watching someone who was brilliant at it. Everybody is attracted to excellence. And you have to be a value to the marketplace that says you're excellence. And you do it in the form of service. Service, by definition, is the contribution to the well-being of others. And so in business and in life, I mean, I just don't know of anything that makes for more of a purposeful life than service. There's so many books written on purpose. There's so many books written on, you know, find your purpose and find your mission. And I can save you all the money and time. I mean, I'll just save it to you right now. I can tell you what your purpose is in life. I can tell you, listening to this, in 167 countries, why you were put on earth. You were put here to make a contribution to the well-being of other people. Period. That's why you were born. So when I say stand out with service, it's kind of fulfilling what we're supposed to be anyway. And the only thing that gets in our way of providing phenomenal service is, number one, we might not know how to do it. Number two, we might think that going the extra mile will cost us and we don't have the resources to, oh, Brian, you're a wealthy man. You can afford to be generous. I was a generous person when I was broke. I came from a country that people were very generous. In fact, if you look throughout the world, you'll see people who give in the largest percentages are always the poorest people. Service is something we can all render to someone else. Ogmandino, who wrote The Greatest Salesman in the World, said, always render more and better service than is expected of you, no matter what your task may be. Muhammad Ali said, service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth. Mahatma Gandhi said, the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. So here you have Ogmandino, Muhammad Ali, Mahatma Gandhi, and the greatest of all, Brian Buffini. There you go. Those four, they all belong together, don't they, in the same sentence? Maybe not. But I do know, I do know this, that service is the contribution to the well-being of others. And when you really think about it, and you really meditate on it, your opportunity to serve and provide a contribution to the well-being of another human being, there isn't anything more valuable than that. So we got to stand out with our service. Listen to episode 87. It'll give you a lot of how-tos. And then lastly, if I were given the advice to my grandson, invest in relationships, stand out with service, then it would be develop your skills. You want to learn to master your skills. And it's your skills that pay the bills. That's what my old friend Joe Nigos always said. He was uh, one of the most successful real estate agents in the world, and we became great friends. And now he does speaking and training on behalf of Buffini Company all over North America. But it, the skills that pay the bills. Here was a guy from the south side of Chicago that went on to become one of the most successful producing salesmen in his entire industry in the entire country. So what is the dynamic of developing your skills? Well, first of all, a skill is the ability to do something well. That's that expertise. To develop is to make active or promote the growth of something. That's what we need to be doing. Here's my question. When do you go work on your skills? A lot of times someone works on their skills after they've had a failure or a mistake. Nothing wrong with that. But that's the only time they engage in that. Most people, when they're not as skilled as they need to be, will blame the customer or blame the experience. Ah, uh, yeah, this person's just looking for the cheapest deal. Yeah, that person's just looking for that. This person doesn't know what they want. Those are the excuses we use all the time to cover over the fact that we weren't skilled enough 
to make it happen. This deal fell apart. Ah, oh, yeah, you know, the other agent was incompetent. This person was incompetent. The buyer wasn't all in. The company that supports it wasn't all I believe this. When you have a willing buyer and a willing seller and something doesn't come together, it's because it was a lack of skills. Larry Bird, the great Boston Celtic, said a winner is someone who recognizes God-given talents, works his tail off to develop them in the skills, and uses these skills to accomplish these goals. Very, very powerful. The fact of the matter is, the market's changing, technology will change. I believe the rate in which technology changes will accelerate even faster in the years to come. It'll be dizzying. But what won't be dizzying are the principles that people are looking for. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Everybody knows that. We know that every customer you ever meet in life will say, can I trust you? Are you good at what you do? And do you care about me? And if I was giving you the advice that I would give to my grandson today and how to build a business that will last a very long time and how to have a life that's very fulfilling at the same time in business, it would be, number one, invest in relationships. Number two, stand out with service. And number three, develop your skills. Become a master. And I'll share more podcasts on mastering your skills in the months and years to come. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. I like to keep them short enough for your commute to work or uh, maybe a, a workout you're doing. Keep your reviews coming. I love to hear the kind of content you're enjoying. In fact, I'm reading a review here from someone who's uh, changing careers at 55. And she says, I found the Brian Buffini show by accident. I'm a 55-year-old woman who's changing careers at this late stage. I met a woman who took me under her wing and introduced me to the show. I've listened to every podcast multiple times and sent it to everyone I can. The only problem is... And I'm so far behind in books I need to read with all the fantastic books he suggests. Well, Changing Careers at 55, thanks for your review. I appreciate it. And maybe you don't have to read all those books. Maybe you go and get Audible and you listen to those books. And in between listening to The Brian Buffini Show, you can listen to some of those books while you're driving around. Hope this helps. Thanks for your review. Our goal, as you know, is to positively influence as many folks as we can. And so if you know someone who wants to future-proof their business and share these principles with them, share this episode of The Brian Buffini Show, and hopefully it'll help them. So as I finish here today, I leave you with an Irish blessing that my grandfather always said to me. This is my first time to ever deliver to you as a grandfather. So may the roads rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sunshine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. 